Happy Mother's Day. It's so great to have each and every one of you uh, with us. Uh, don't we have a great group of children that uh, put that together? Uh, man, we uh, love our kids here at Clarksburg Baptist Church. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll jump into the Apostles' Creed. Dear Jesus, we love you. God, thank you so much for all you do for us, Lord. God, I pray that as we look at this creed again and hold it up to Scripture, uh, Lord, that you would stir us up in a way um, and, and push us towards you uh, more than ever before. God, I pray for those that are watching, maybe watching for the first time. Uh, I pray that you would, um, God, just draw them to you, Lord. I pray that you uh, would be with them and comfort them. Uh, God, I pray for the one that might be lonely. Uh, God, the one might, might be depressed and uh, anxious, Lord. I pray for them today. God, you give them peace and and comfort, Lord, and help us to put our faith and trust in you and only you. In your name we pray, amen. Let's go ahead and start uh, with the Apostles' Creed. We've been saying this together for the last couple of weeks, and make sure you say it out loud. Don't be that person that sits back and be like, well, they can't see me. We're going to do this together because this is something that binds us together. You ready? I believe in God the Father Almighty creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. This is the Apostles' Creed. This isn't a magic spell or some type of incantation. This is just clear truth based on God's word, uh, and it describes what we believe and put our hope in. And these are just not, not just facts to know, but these are foundations to build our life upon. Now, obviously, we're going through a strange time right now, right? Some people would call this pandemic an act of God. Isn't that funny that we invoke the name of God with a disaster, but maybe not with the sunrise or when we look at a, a face of a newborn baby? But times like this make us feel small, and they remind us that we're not in control, and we see this whole world being impacted by something that we cannot see, and we cannot wrap our minds around it. But this is why it's important as Christians that we realize uh, that we have a responsibility to bring clarity into the picture. You have an opportunity to speak hope into this dark world because a light is never brighter than when it's pitch black outside. Now, sure, you can focus on passing on conspiracy theories and political agendas or opinions about where this whole thing started. You could do that, but wouldn't you rather use this time to shout out into the noise that God loves us, that he loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us and he made a way for us to get to God when there was no way? Wouldn't you rather shout out into the world that Jesus saves, come to Jesus? 
That's why we're looking at these core doctrines and we're resting on the things that we know to be true in this time of confusion and we are getting ready to share hope and light into this dark world. So today we're going to look at he suffered under Pontius Pilate. It was so cute hearing, uh, I got to see all the videos and hearing some of our children try and say Pontius Pilate. Man, it was, a, it was a, just a fun thing to do. But the Bible tells us that he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. Now, these are the facts. No reputable scholar disputes these things, that Jesus lived 2,000 years ago, that he had a great following, that he was arrested and suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified on a Roman cross, and died, and was buried in a borrowed rich man's tomb. These are the facts. No one disputes that. But they're more than just facts because these truths reconcile us to God. Jesus' death, the cross, reconciled us to God. So let's take a look at the Bible. That's a pretty good idea, right, Uh, as we're doing church right now. So turn over in your Bible to John 18. We're going to be there for a while. We're going to look at this account of Jesus suffering under Pontius Pilate, being crucified, died, and buried. John 18, 28 is where we'll start. It says, then they, which that's talking to the Jews that wanted to see Jesus crucified. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters because he was a Gentile. So that they would not be defiled, but they could eat Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, what accusations do you bring against this man? And if they answered him, this is awesome. They didn't even answer the question, but they said, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him to you. Just trust us. He's a bad guy. Just do something about it. 31 said, uh, Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. See, they'd already made up their mind about what they wanted to happen from this trial. There was no, uh, you know, due process or anything there. They wanted to see Jesus Uh, killed. Verse 32, this was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the Jews most likely would have stoned him to death, but prophecy and scripture told us, and Jesus himself said, I'm going to be lifted up. I'm going to be pierced. So he needed to be crucified by the Romans. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Do you say of this of your own accord, or do others say it about me? Pilate answered, said, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, says, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I may not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. And Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I've come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. But Pilate said to him, what is truth? Man, that's a question that people are asking today. What is truth? And after he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and said, I find no guilt in him. 
But you have a custom that I should release one man at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews, Jesus? But they cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. Other scripture tells us that he was also a murderer. The next verse is uh, chapter 19, verse 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. They beat him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. And they came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, mocking him. And they struck him with their hands. And Pilate went out and said to them, See, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to him, Behold, the man. And when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, take him yourself and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. Pilate didn't want any part of this, and he was not excited about this whole process. The Jews answered him, said, we have a law according to the law that he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered in his headquarters again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he, delivered, uh, therefore he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. For then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Pilate buckled under that political pressure. And he was scared. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar, they said. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat and, uh, at a place called the Stone Pavement and an Aramaic Gabbatha, Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, behold your king. And they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to him, shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. So he delivered them over. Uh, He delivered him over to be crucified. This is just one of the accounts of the biographers of Jesus. We call those the Gospels. And some of the other uh, three Gospels give us some more and add some more detail to how Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was beaten. They pulled out his beard right from his face and they spit on him and they mocked him and they stripped him naked and they tried their best to humiliate Jesus. Then after all this, they make him carry his own cross up the side of a mountain with a crown of thorns on his head, having been flogged and beaten on his back. And then they nail him to that cross. The only way for him to breathe was to push up on those nails in his feet. It was excruciating. And they literally tortured him to death. So the Romans had studied uh, the ways of pain and they were experts at bringing it. And this was the most painful and humiliating death that they could dream up. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, died, and was buried. And yet this cross is a symbol of beauty. How can that be? It's a a device of death, a device of torture. But we wear 
uh, crosses around our necks wrapped in gold and we decorate our sanctuaries with it. Imagine if we were to do that with an electric chair, right? Or, or a guillotine and wear this necklace around our neck. Well, yeah, we believe that it's beautiful because this device of death reconciled us back to God. Now, last week we talked about sin, and that was the world that Jesus stepped into, a world where we have problems and addictions and darkness. But sin is not just around us, it is inside of us. This last week there was a a video released of uh, some men killing a young man named Ahmad Arbery. And that was about an hour away from a place I used to live in Georgia. There is evil in the world. There is sin in this world. And Jesus came into the broken world of pain and death, and he brought peace and life. See, we were created by God to commune with God and to live in fellowship with others. But sin fractured all that, and now evil and darkness flood this world, and we're left hungry and thirsty with no way to satisfy ourselves. Christ's death on the cross fixes all that. Christ's death brings us back to Eden, back to a place where God communed with Adam and Eve face to face. No guilt, no shame, no fear, no death. The cross reconciles us to God. And Jesus loaded all of our sin and all of our evil onto his own back on the cross, and then he piled all of his righteousness on those of us that are believers and followers of Christ. It's the most lopsided deal ever. And in sports, there's been uh, some lopsided trades over the years. Uh, Brett Favre, Kobe Bryant, Babe Ruth, Wayne Gretzky, Hall of Fame players traded for pennies. But there is no more lopsided trade than when Jesus traded my sin for his righteousness. I'm so glad that Jesus is a friend of sinners, of thieves, of tax collectors and drunkards and prostitutes and me and you. The New Testament is story after story of people like the demon-possessed girl and, and Paul the terrorist and Matthew the tax collector. Story after story of these people being reconciled back to God. Acts 20, verse 28 says, uh, it tells us that Jesus obtained us with his own blood. He bought us with a price. 1 Peter 2.10 says that once we were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy, all because of the cross. Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He did all of that to bring you back to God for the glory of God, for the pleasure of God. Do you believe that? Can you believe that? Dare you believe that, that Jesus gave up heaven to suffer in your place? And if he gave up his life for you, doesn't he deserve for you to give your life to him? He suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose 
again from the dead. So this one phrase in there that we've been reading as he descended to the dead. If you are familiar with this creed from your past, then you probably remember that as reading he descended into hell. But that piece that he descended into hell was not in the original creed. It wasn't added until the 5th century and wasn't widely used until the 6th or 7th century. And there's still large swaths of evangelicals that leave that part out completely. And it can be a little bit confusing, right? Why? Because we don't believe that the Bible teaches that Jesus uh, went to a place that we call hell and suffered in hell. What does the Bible say about this? Peter quotes King David in Acts 2.27 on the sermon at Pentecost. And this is what uh, Peter said. He said, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. Verse 29 goes on. And Peter says, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. So uh, Peter's letting us know that uh, when David quoted that and gave that, that was prophecy about one of David's descendants, which was Jesus. And verse 30 says, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Jesus, that he would not be abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up and we are all witnesses. Now, some of the older English translations uh, translate that Greek word Hades here as hell. And that can be a little bit confusing. Now, Hades is a general term that simply means the place of the dead. But hell means the place of torment, Gehenna. Jesus refers to hell a lot during his ministry. We just saw that on Wednesday. If you joined us for CBC TV, we saw Lazarus and the rich man. And and Jesus talked about that place of torment. But Jesus didn't go to the place of torment. In fact, on the cross... Jesus tells the thief, today you will be with me in paradise. The biblical scholar Emerson sums it up like this. He says, Jesus experienced death as all humans do. His body was buried, his soul departed to the place of the dead, and in so doing, by virtue of his divinity, he defeated death and the grave. So the point in that phrase that we're trying to make is that Jesus really died. There's some scholars and people out there that uh, try and say that Jesus swooned. Or what that means is he fainted. He went unconscious and people just thought he was dead. But we believe that Jesus literally died. The Romans were experts once again. And they attested to the fact that he died and was buried. And because he died, he defeated death for us. John the uh, Revelator shows us a glimpse of Jesus in the second coming in Revelation 1.18. It's a, a, this is a prophecy of what Jesus would say. He says, fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. Check this out. He says, I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Haiti. So Jesus didn't just knock on death's door. He took the keys. His death is important and it means something. And we've got to remember that it was true and literal. But I like the next part better. It says the third day he rose again from the dead. 
Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. And because he rose from that grave, I can run out of that grave. The angels told them in Luke 24, 6. He said, he's not here, but he's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucify and on the third day rise. 1 Thessalonians 4, 14. It says, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those that have fallen asleep. Because of Jesus, we have a promise. And because he rose from the grave, we will rise again into the next life. Our debt, our sin is covered. Jesus paid the price through his death. And through his resurrection, he broke the chains of sin and Hades forever. Because he lives, we are alive. We're no longer slaves to sin because of the power of the resurrection. Do you believe that? Ephesians 2, 5 says, Even when we were dead in sins, in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. We were dead in our sins. There was no hope for us. But God made us alive through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because of the resurrection, you don't have to serve sin anymore. Because of the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus, we don't have to fear death anymore. We have hope for the next life. The Apostle Paul quotes Hosea in 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gave us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you have in Jesus, sing this with me. You ready? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know. He holds the future, and life is worth the living just because he lives. Because Jesus lives, he rose again from the dead. He broke out of that grave. Because of that, we have hope. So what are you afraid of? What are you nervous about? What worry has you overwhelmed? Jesus is alive today and through Jesus and the resurrection, you have hope because he lives. Jesus suffered in our place. He died, was buried, and on the third day he rose again from the dead. Yeah, I know you know that. I know that. You could have just preached that whole message to me. None of it was new. I know you know that. But do you believe that? 
Do you rest your life? Is that belief leading you to action? Do you lean on that every single day? Is your life changed by that? Because if Jesus has the power over sin and death, then what could we possibly be afraid of? Because Jesus can give himself life, he can give you life today too. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what uh, ends and what fears and what problems you may have. But just like Jesus gave himself life, he can bring life, an abundant life, to you today. So let's leave behind everything and follow him. Let's leave behind everything and follow him because we have the victory through him.